0: Today we're going to be conversing with someone who I've referred to as "name same" for over 30 years. That length of time is a little bit terrifying. She's a wonderful person and I'm grateful that she's one of my best friends, but why don't I give her a chance to tell us a little bit about herself.
1: Hi, my name is Sonia Simons. I am 40 years old as of this past Tuesday. I am um, a clinical research director at um, the Knight Alzheimer's Disease Research Center at Washington University School of Medicine. So, I currently reside in the St. Louis area. I am Indian American, and as for my marital status, I am married four years now, with a toddler, and um, with another baby along the way. Uh, due in December,
0: actually, very exciting. Are you happy?
1: Yeah, I would say I'm happy. I would say that happiness for me today is a state that I have to actively maintain, one that I have to put in the effort and be grateful for every success that I encounter, big or small within a day, but also giving myself grace when things don't turn out the way that I want in a given day, again, small or big. It's not easy, but it's a, it's, it's been, it's a battle to not take things personally, but yes, I would say I'm happy and, and this state of mind of happiness or this perspective of happiness is one that has evolved over time.
0: Well, you kind of predicted the next question pretty well. Do you feel like your definition of happiness would have been the same five or 10 years ago?
1: Yeah, I would say about really looking 10, 15 years ago, my My notion of happiness was just that success equaled happiness. Um, I grew up in a household where everyone, uh, my my parents, my brother, all are are physicians, and I didn't know anything else uh, other than the medical world. And so... From childhood, I just was always kind of given this this guidance, this rule that I was going to be a doctor, that that was it, you know, nothing, nothing else, just just a doctor. And so I, I didn't question, I didn't know anything else outside of that world. So I'm just you know, speaking from like a professional status. I, I looked to my family as an embodiment of success with what they achieve in their careers. And I just thought that setting that goal as well, too, would lead to content, contentment, and ultimately what would make me happy i know that contentment is a is considered as one of the different um, categories of happiness often or is often discussed as such but that was a that was a very challenging for me um, over time because it was lofty i think for me a part of me always knew I wasn't really into medicine. I didn't really know what it was about. I just knew my parents were anesthesiologists and they worked for long hours, but were successful, had a you know, stable financial life and everything. And then I, despite my my parents wanting that for me, I always equated that to, oh yes, like I want that stability as well, but not really looking into what all it entails in terms of my personal happiness. And and my personal goals. But at the same time, too, I didn't know anything else. You know, I I'd never seen any other career paths. And so bad grade on a test, or even worse, a bad grade in a class um, in a a semester, which, you know, hits your GPA. Um, Those things really brought about stress and really negatively impacted my self-esteem. And, you know, I will say, growing up in a traditional Indian household where there is importance in grades and what your uh, career is. I mean, there's only there's only certain career paths sometimes that our parents think are are the um, equate to success. I had a very hard time with myself for many years. I would say probably my early to to mid to late twenties, feeling like I was I was good enough um, and that ultimately impacted my happiness. I, I was definitely, I would definitely say I was depressed for, for years. And added to that, I experienced a, a period of loss of not, um, a loss of what to do, where to go. Um, when I was 25, 26 and my mom suddenly passed away. I wouldn't say completely suddenly, she had she had breast cancer, but it was um, diagnosed a bit, bit later. Um, and that was on her she kind of wanted to to wait but it, it impacted our family immensely. Um, my mom was very well intentioned but very very harsh on me as to um as to goals as to achieving achieving career goals specifically because I, I was her only daughter and I, I do think that um, she did a part of her wanted, you know i was like a 2.0 for for her and so her my successes were her successes and my failures were her failures and so she really strived for for me to achieve happiness in what she thought would be happiness for me but it actually was not and it did become her her that her happiness had become my happiness for some time so when i wasn't when i felt like i you know i wasn't really excited about you know taking the mcat or you know taking that that science class taking physics or something like that, you know, not that saying that it, most people enjoy physics anyway, but, you know, I really was lost after my mom was gone because I, d- I really didn't know what to do. And, and, and I was going through a period of time too where I was just going unstable relationships. um, Just, just not happy where I was in life. I felt like I was just disappointing, not only my family, but just also myself. And that was a pivotal time for me. Um, that's when I decided to um, look into just look into grad school. I always loved research when I was when I was an undergrad. And so um, I looked into PhD programs, um, PhD programs specifically in genetics. That's kind of what I did in research mm-hmm. while I was an undergrad. And I ended up in St. Louis, ended up at Washington University. And, um and that was the start of my path of discovering myself, what I like, exposing myself to other careers, other interests, developing my own passion. And I think that was the start of of my my path to happiness and my change in the perspective of what happiness means. I know it's a long, long winded way of getting to the point, but yes, yes, I have. My, my viewpoints
0: have changed, changing the definition of happiness from what your parents you to what you wanted for you makes a lot of sense. And it's very interesting because nobody else I've interviewed so far has spoken to this, but especially in South Asian households, moms have so much pressure on their kids and the pressure that South Asian parents have on their parents to pursue specific careers can be overwhelming.
1: Yes. Yes. Sure. Um, and it doesn't even go into just careers. It's everything. It's for it's sure. even your body, your body type. Oh, and, you know, just be, be, having to look perfect in every way, especially for South Asian culture, skin color, all of those things um, were things that I uh, I experienced, you know, as, as part of goal, fit this mold of perfection. And what I've learned over time is that happiness isn't about perfection. It's about it's progressive. It's it's um, it's something that just slowly builds, not even day by day, minute by minute.
0: I agree with you. Perfection is almost like the enemy of happiness. What makes you happy on a day-to-day basis?
1: So as a, a new mom, fairly newish mom, my day-to-day definition of happiness has changed over over time. i deriving pleasure from my work and, and just my relationships with friends and family always used to be it. Um, it's changed a lot as a mom now it's just work-life balance that is my my true happiness um, being able to spend time with my daughter um, and just you know see her just all all the different milestones she's reaching and and that she's reached in the 2021 months that she's been with us just hearing just the wild things that she says you know oh wow mama you so pretty or oh mama I don't like that if I'm like giving her blueberries or something like that it's just it's just really, it's adorable, and and you know, you, it really opens your eyes into wanting to spend um, spend so much time with them, and and realize that time is fleeting. Even just in these these twenty one months, I just look back at you know, reminder photos on my my phone, my iPhone, telling me like, oh look at this memory from a year ago or eighteen months ago, and she was just tiny, looks almost unrecognizable to what she looks like now, and so it's it's opened my eyes to say. That, to show that you really need to seize the moment and how I used to focus so much on, on work. Ooh. I wanted to have, I, I do still see success as, as part of happiness or, or at least um, intertwined with happiness. But I realized over time that, you know, I don't want to throw myself into long hours at work or, or, or doing other things when um, time is just so fleeting with, with little child. And so work-life balance has been huge for me. I mean, I think for a long time, I used to work till, uh, you know, definitely well after sunset, eight, nine, eight nine, no problem. And then I would feel like I stopped at a like comfortable place and I would say like, oh, okay, I feel like good that I can approach tomorrow. Okay. Now it's just like, look, I got to go at like, I got to pick up this kid at five at daycare. I want to make, I want to, and then I want to be there to spend some time with her when we get home play, because I know she's got to. She's got to have dinner. She's got to have nap time or go to bed at like seven. Um, my my world is revolved around my my children, I would say. You know, I have no complaints about being around my children, my family, just because there's just only so many hours in the day. And so that, you know, with work, I, I've kind of learned over time, you know, that as much as we hate to admit it, we're ultimately all replaceable at, when it comes to work. If I were to leave today Um, I would like to say that, you know, whoever they would hire in my place couldn't get do the caliber work that I provide. But ultimately, there'll be a replacement, but you can't replace being a mom to to your children, you know, and so that's, that's where I've kind of learned where my priorities have shifted. But that is that is my happiness, even when she is screaming, like, like a holy terror, you still like smile at the end of the day and it's just like well this is you know this is mine you know this is um and this probably as the embodiment of my personality as well too so can't can't blame her for it but um but just yeah just even seeing her laugh having a full belly laugh having like you know even if when she's throwing her food and stuff it's still those are things that just just are my little small small uh, moments of happiness
0: in a day right you have the joy Of being the person who gets to watch all of those things yes yes what gave you your last belly laugh
1: I would say my my last belly laugh uh with uh with her was actually like when she um she was trying to like help me do laundry you know and she's absolutely no idea what she's doing with laundry Every like I was putting stuff in the washing machine and she was taking stuff out and putting it back in and she was like I did it I did it and I was just like clapping and stuff and it's it's just really it's just funny because she I mean current times right now um I think she's kind of noticed that we have baby two on the way so she's probably a little bit more uh leaning towards her her daddy right now but um but it the happiness of her wanting to be with her mama you know and just right. wanting to spend time with her mama that has been and just watching all the silly things she she does is, is the time where I have a nice full belly laugh
0: that's awesome. I enjoy that she's also trying to copy you, particularly when it comes to something related to chores. Hopefully that comes through down the line and we can remind her of this. When yeah, she, yeah. Like, I mean, sometimes I'm life.
1: just like, sometimes I'm like, hey, can you get mama's phone? Okay. And she actually gets, gets me a phone. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is great. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to totally be like my parents. Like my mom would sometimes ask me to grab her re- like the tv remote when it was literally like not even a foot away from her while I was upstairs just because she was like too lazy to and that's something I strive for so you know maybe maybe <laughs> it's, it's closer closer
0: than I thought what's a word that you associate with happiness and why
1: yeah so I, I think you kind of touched upon it but I would say that one word the word that for me describes happiness is, is progressive happiness for me where I became where I became comfortable with with being happy, being content, was realizing that you have to strive for progress um, in in your day-to-day rather than focusing on absolute perfection. Happiness is essentially, for me, an ongoing journey. There are days where it, it comes easier for me, other days where it's been stressful, whether it's because of work, whether it's because of a bad interaction I had, whether you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be at work. Does something at home, or just going to the grocery store and somebody just talk talks to you crazy, or something like that. Things that can just set you off for that that day. Trying to just approach things positively, reflecting on the day positively, even if it, the whole day just kind of went to crap. Just thinking of just one thing um, at the end of the day that made made you know major day in some way on, in a positive light. I have looked at that, looking at happiness as, as a the state of mind okay. that's that's progressive as something that's uh, that's essential for my personal growth and and helping me find you know better okay. ways to achieve my my daily goals.
0: Definitely, mindset has a huge role in happiness for me too, and I have to keep policing it to bring it back to center. Yeah.
1: And, and I would say to progressive one of the, also one of the bigger things too, that I've added to that over time, especially as I've, um, I've learned this, especially as I've gotten married actually, well, I was getting engaged to getting married to having children and, and living in St. Louis and all of these things where I'm completely uh, away from my family. My family all lives in the Chicagoland area. That's why some so know each other, um, setting boundaries. That's, that's been huge for me in that, um, in that growth mindset, you know, not feeling bad for saying no, if I've reached my limit and this could be anything, this is at work. If I know I'm getting a new project assigned to me at like later on in the day, feeling comfortable to tell whoever I'm not going to get to it because I have other priorities on my plate right now. With my family, with personal things too. I, I used to even feel guilty at work if I had to skip out for uh, an hour or two for an appointment. As regular OB appointments have come my way, I don't care anymore. <laughs> like now, I have like if I have to go, I have to go. But I, I, I used to feel this feeling of guilt that I was taking time for myself. And so having those boundaries and not being afraid to to say you yeah, know no, I can't do this. And the same thing, the same thing too with. Interpersonal relationships too. I to value, I've been, I feel like I've been fortunate to have some solid friendships, uh, good relationships with my family. But sometimes too, even even in those relationships, you know, sometimes because of that, mm-hmm. that comfort that certain friends and, and family have with you, they may try to with well-intentioned again to insert their two cents on what they think you should be doing. You know, you should move to back to Chicago. This is how you should be raising your kid. This is how, you know, this is where you should be looking for job, job opportunities, things like that. Again, while well-intentioned, I've learned to just kind of just say like, look, that's your perspective. This is what works for me. This is what works for my family and not be afraid to put that out there from the get-go because I think that to also impacts your happiness. I will admit, I am an overthinker. I am an overthinker. I will, I still will wake up in the middle of the night thinking about something dumb that I did 15 years ago, and then not be able to go back to sleep because I think about it. It has been a work in progress to to really break that. And again, I'm not perfect. I, I still do that from time to time, but gratitude mindfulness, those are all key things, establishing boundaries that have helped me get to that point of, of, of happiness as a progressive process.
0: I like that elaboration on what you meant with progressive because it's a great word and you frame the significance to you really nicely. You touched on this a little bit with familial expectations and how your happiness has evolved. Beyond that, do you feel like your perspectives on happiness have been shaped by difficulty?
1: I mean, I think I feel like I,
0: I've touched on
1: it. Um, I, I really do feel like without my mom, my, my mom here, I really felt like that was the first time where I really felt like I was on my own to try to figure out what happiness was. You know, my 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 dad also too, of course, has uh, you know echoed the same sentiments as my mom, but my mom was really the big driver yeah. as to what I should be doing, and with that voice gone. I, again, I really did feel lost. And so I, it it was really on me to really do some soul searching and try to figure out what, what that happiness was. And is again, going back to the boundaries thing, physical boundaries, really moving. I can't stress enough that moving to St. Louis actually helped me figure that out. Once my mom was gone, of course I had aunts and other relatives that kind of wanted to fill that void to try to, to, to kind of give me that guidance as well, but they weren't my mom. And so it was, it was really all, it was some familial difficulties. I think I feel at that time that helped me really try to figure out what, what happiness was and and helped me just figure out who I am. You know, it's, you never think about it, but you know, really like your twenties, you're, you still don't know what you're doing. You know, like you've lived in, you've gone from high school to college and, and college is not the real world. You're studying full time for the most part. Many of us are, are fortunate to have our our parents financially support us, and so we're not really out in the real world, right. Getting a job to support our basic needs, and, and and really figuring out what you know what at the end of the day, makes us excited to wake up in the morning, you know. Right. And and so I, I think even at that time, it was just to have that loss too was very pivotal for me, to really figure out where to go from here. Of course, I encountered bumps along the road and had to kind of figure things out and, you know, definitely encountered failures along the way, had, you know, some really weird, you know, jobs and things, just experiences, but it helped shape me to who I am today and and, and I'm still growing, you know, and that's what I, I hope to be. I hope to be growing and learning um, in in the years, decades, knock on wood, to come.
0: Same, for sure.
1: So, I don't know. I would say again that going back to my personal my personal happiness being a progressive um, process, I believe that everybody should just think slowly and just be grateful for the friendships that you have, the 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 small interactions that you have, the the things that you do in, in a day, and even when you're even when your day is, isn't that great and you don't feel like you can you can drive joy or, or happiness in that given day. As I said, I've said mindfulness before, but find ways to help you find that gratitude. Right. If Whether that means like finding like a, a hobby that you like, sewing, gardening, reading, something. I know many people who journal, I've really tried to be a journaler. I just, I, I can't, I, I can do it for a couple of days and then I like give up for like, two years and then come back to it but and giving yourself that grace that if you are frustrated that day that it's okay but that you shouldn't try to beat yourself up on it don't ruminate on things again it's not easy coming from me because I am an overthinker but one thing that actually my husband actually introduced me to with meditation that was something that he was doing a lot when things were stressful for him just from work or whatnot And finding some time to meditate where you just unplug and just feel your feelings, but not judge yourself for those feelings. I'm you know, not trying to you know, promote any particular apps, but there was like there was a, an app that he had suggested where they do have these guided meditations for 10, 15 minutes or so that really helped because I, I really did need that. I couldn't just do meditation on my own that has really helped me kind of center myself and 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 focus a little bit more on just the things that went right and not focus on the always the things that went wrong. It's of course okay to acknowledge what went wrong to use it as an opportunity for growth but to not look at things like that it's a complete failure because that that's where it ultimately affects your your happiness and well-being is when you really start to when you start to ruminate on these things.
0: I agree. On a day-to-day basis does Anything ever get you down? And if so, how do you counteract that?
1: Yeah, on my my day-to-day, like if if you know, it, it could even be if I've just been like sick that day or just been burned out from interactions that I've had that day, whatnot. The the most basic thing that I do um, when I don't feel like doing anything else, well, I don't want to do any meditation or anything. I do before I go to bed every every night, think about one good thing that went in, in my day. And I, I mean it could be just one. So I work in clinical research. So I I do interact with a lot of my staff members, sometimes the participants directly as well to the feedback that sometimes people give like how, oh, you were just, you know, you were so forthcoming, you were so knowledgeable, you're so kind and gracious to me, you helped me get here. I mean, our participants are you know dealing with, with Alzheimer's disease. And they're usually escorted with their caregivers, so they do need a little bit more support than than some other uh, research divisions. And being able to sometimes talk, talk to uh, them one-on-one just to be relatable, not to say that, oh, you're just a participant coming here for research, to just engage in a conversation. But even just engaging in conversation with colleagues or just friends or something, something that just made the day better I went out and had you know a really great dinner with my friend and we just caught up because we hadn't seen each other in a couple months and that despite everything that went bad or went wrong that day that really just kind of set that just really made me feel happy really focusing on that and that helps me be able to go to sleep at night knowing that you know what yeah today may have been rough But at the end of the day, I'm still happy because I have these other things that made the day better for me. And that ultimately helps me on just my own personal level of striving to just be a happier person, you know, to realize that it's not going to be perfect. There's always going, no one has a, a perfect day. No one has a perfect life, but we can all focus on the small things that do make our lives happy.
0: Do you have any advice for someone cultivating happiness?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, um, if cultivating happiness is difficult from the other things that I have been suggesting in terms of mindful, seeking mindfulness on your own, seeking gratitude on your own, if you have strong interpersonal relationships, focus on those, you know, it's okay to talk to your friends sometimes for guidance. They can give you honest, honest feedback. They know you, they support you. They love you. They can give you, they can give you those words of encouragement if it, if it's hard to cultivate that happiness on your own. And also too, I think, you know, there's still, of course, we're, we're so much better in 2023, but there is, there still is a stigma, you know, around some people feel around seeking therapy. Honestly, I I can't stress enough. I have my own personal therapist, and she h- helps me immensely to help find those tools. She was the one who helped me find the tools to get to the point of, of of what I believe happiness is now, and I'm sharing with you now. But don't be afraid to to seek out those those resources. I, I even after my. Um, my my first pregnancy, I was dealing with a lot of postpartum stress um, and, and issues. And I sought out support groups with other women where we can share our our stories. And so don't be afraid to if you feel like you need guidance, or you need help in cultivating that happiness that there are resources out there that can help you find out what works best for you.
0: I think that talking to other women about their experiences postpartum was one of the most valuable things for me too in that period. But Mm -hmm. I can't agree with you more. Trying to do something or considering pursuing therapy or both are really great things to consider for anyone. Thank you so much for being a guest on Common Happiness today, Sonia.
1: I'm very happy
0: to have been invited and
1: I definitely look forward to
0: Thank you for conversing on common happiness with Sonia Kencare. And if you like this episode, please subscribe.